oh, if, it, if it's from an atheist, it's fine. But if it's it has any religious uh, material in it, oh, that's not allowed. And that's what's called this religious discrimination. And But the state has been doing that for years. Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. We have some fun things to talk about with you all, from a new speaker of the house to prostitution surging here in California to some lawsuits and rulings when it comes to parents' rights and schools and all that. So we will dive into that. But first, we had a Capital 101 training recently. It was an online webinar, and we want to make sure you guys all have access to that. So Greg, you want to share maybe a little bit about that webinar and how it went? Yeah, it was great. Uh, for those who you know are new to politics at the state level, you know, kind of be, it can be confusing, right? Everybody seems to pay attention to the federal politics, but nobody knows what happens at the state level. Um, and as evidence, I'll ask you right now, who is your state senator? Who is your state representative? If you don't know them off the top of your head, probably because you're not really paying attention much. So, but uh, these state legislators have probably a bigger impact on your life and the life of your family uh, than what happens at the federal level. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that you knew how to have an influence on them. They are your representatives. Do you know them? Do you know uh, where their offices are? How do you lobby them? How do you have an influence on them? So that was things we all talked about. Uh, Penny Harrington, who uh, is one of our great volunteers uh, down in San Diego area, she shared a great slide presentation just on the basics of how a bill gets through the legislature and at what point can we speak out against it, against it and for it. Uh, then I kind of gave a little update on how to put together a letter. Do you know how to send a letter to your legislator and have it being put in their legislative system so all the legislators can see it? I talked about that. And then we had former Senator Melissa Melendez uh, on and she kind of just shared her personal experiences as a legislator, uh, you know, how best to have influence on your legislator. And so who better to ask that than from a former legislator herself? So all that is on the video, yeah. along with John, Jonathan Keller. Uh, our president was there as well. And, and you, Sophia, were there. So it was a great event. Thanks for planning it. And we hope to do more of those, right? Yes, we do. So definitely, if you're not signed up for our newsletter, which you can do that at CaliforniaFamily.org or following all our social media, definitely do that because then you can hear about all these events. Most of the events we do are free. Some are in person, some are online. So you can definitely stay connected. But if you missed it, you still have the opportunity to watch it. It is on our YouTube channel now. Uh, if you go to California Family Council on YouTube, you'll see it's one of our most recent videos. It's Capital 101 Training. And like Greg said, it walks through everything and anything. If you don't know who your representatives are, if you don't know why some bills are called AB or why some are called SB, we walk through everything from 
literally just how a bill becomes a law to the depths of actually writing an opposition and support letter. So definitely go check that out and share it with people. Let's get prepared and ready to fight next year and the next legislative session. But that's not the only event that we've been talking about. So we've had that event now. But we have our Orange County 20th Anniversary Gala coming up. Tickets are going quick, so make sure to go get your ticket. Make sure you can get to the event. That is November 30th. It is at the Hilton, Costa Mesa, Orange County. And our keynote speaker is Riley Gaines. If you're not familiar with her, she is the female athlete. She was a swimmer. She swam um, at the Division I college level, and she had to swim against Leah Thomas, who is a male, and then had to change in a locker room with him. And so now she goes and shares her story, whether it's at churches or conferences or whether it's um, in hearings at the state legislatures around the nation. So come to that event. You'll be able to hear from her. You'll be able to hear about what God has done in the past 20 years at California Family Council we can't wait to celebrate with you all. And I know Greg is very excited and looking forward to that event, huh, Greg? I am. It's my backyard. I grew up in Orange County, uh, Mission Viejo. So it'd be nice to go back home for a little bit, see my parents um, and my other uh, brother and sister. And so, yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be good. Yeah, so tickets for that, go to CaliforniaFamily.org and you'll be able to see where the tickets are and all that. So we're looking forward to celebrating and seeing you all there. But now into the crazy stuff. Um, if you've been following the news, we have not had a Speaker of the House for a bit. And there's been... At the federal level, not the state. Yes. We are switching to D.C. for a minute. Yes, yes. Yeah, we normally stay on state level, but when... Crazy things happen at federal. We need to keep you all informed about that. Oh, I just saw you drink your coffee. Greg, we forgot to mention, what are you drinking for your coffee? I'm going basic, just, you know, a Keurig uh, breakfast blend um, with cream and some three packets of Truvia. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you? I am doing just water for right now water, that coffee i know i know no fun but i've not had a solid breakfast yet and i ran a lot this morning so i figured i'll have water breakfast then coffee so and how many miles did you run i did six miles so a 10k wow. this morning which was fun um but that's why i thought you know what maybe i should eat some food before drinking a whole cup of coffee But back to the federal level. Yes, we have not had a Speaker of the House for a quick minute. And we finally have one. He is Representative Mike Johnson. He's from Louisiana. And the reason we really wanted to talk about this was he gave his first um, speech as Speaker of the House. And it was really phenomenal to hear someone proudly proclaim their faith and talk about Christianity. And a lot of people are saying, well, he's forcing his faith on everyone and we're gonna play the clip and you can see he's not forcing anything on anyone. He emphasizes multiple times, this is what I believe and this is my beliefs and my values, but he feels um, called to be outspoken on them. So let's check out that clip and then we'll talk a little bit more about him. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter like this. I believe that scripture, the Bible is very clear. That, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. 
And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. This is my belief. I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it, and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it. Yeah, that was great. Um, of course, you know, people are freaking out. Now, listen to what he said. He, he's talking about how his own religious belief system, Christianity, is influencing how he perceives his job, right? He thinks there's a God that rules the universe and, the, and that God has given him <laughs> this position. Even though he was voted in by legislators, I mean, not legislators, voted in by, well, the, his fellow legislators to his job and his own constituents. He also believes there's a sovereign God of the universe that's directing, ultimately directing the affairs um, of the universe. And, you know, he takes the existence of God and his influence on the world as like, hey, this is my responsibility. God's given me this responsibility. I need to serve. We all need to serve our constituents, right? All right. How, okay. And this is what I believe, right? Okay. That's, I mean, if I was a Muslim, like, okay. Thanks for letting me know how your faith influences how you perceive your job. All right. All right. And, and then somebody else gets up. Well, here's what I believe about the universe. I think, you know, and whatever. And they come up and they explain their belief system. Right. And so I mean, that's what all Americans should all be able to do without everybody freaking out. Right. That you, If you're in government, you have to uh, completely secularize, you know, be an atheist. Right. Uh, you have to limit your speech, right? Hide what you believe, right? He's not doing that. So I, I was grateful for his candor and people should stop freaking out. <laughs> exactly. And something we've been seeing a lot is everyone's going, who is he? I haven't even heard of him all this because you kind of, you're familiar with the people on the federal level that sometimes cause a ruckus, cause a big scene, are funny social media, all these different things. And so everyone's wondering, who is this man? And so Family Research Council, who we work very closely with on um, different issues, if you're not familiar with them, they basically kind of do at the federal level what California Family Council, um, us here, do at the state level. And so they have their FRC action. And so from through that program, they have a voter scorecard, and they actually go through, they, choose, they chose 15 different bills um, at the federal level that were voted on, and they give people rankings based off of how they voted. And so again, Family Research Council wants people to vote in favor of biblical values, in favor of what marriage is, man and woman, and in favor of life and all these things. So it was really, um, and it was really great to see that um, Representative Mike Johnson, his voter card, he got a hundred percent from Family Research Council. So he's voting in favor of biblical values. Not only is he outspoken about his faith, but he's actually doing it in the actions. And he's um, the evidence has shown from the past he's strongly pro-life, and all these on is pretty much on par with us on all these issues. So that's just really encouraging to see someone who has voted as a Christian, someone who's speaking out about being a Christian is now our speaker of the house at the federal level. And I just think that's great. No. And he, he's also a constitutional, uh, 
attorney who used to work for Alliance Defending Freedom, which is an attorney organization that we work with all the time, uh, defending religious liberty and freedom of speech. And, um, and so, and he worked for them, right? And so, wow, this guy knows the constitution um, and he knows how, the importance of religious freedom. And so that's encouraging. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, uh, politicians give good speeches all the time. So the, and it seems like his actions have been backing up, but you know, now once you're in, in, uh, in charge, the pressure on folks to start to compromise, to get everybody to get along. Um, he'll have to, he'll be experiencing lots of pressure to moderate his views. So we'll see how he survives all that pressure. Yeah. And as always, be in prayer for him and be in prayer for all of our elected officials, even the ones you might not like or the ones you might disagree with. We need to be praying for them, praying for, first of all, just their safety and protection and everything like that. But pray that the ones that are Christians um, feel convicted to actually be a Christian and vote like a Christian and speak out like a Christian and pray that those that aren't pray that their hearts and minds are changed for the glory of God, because sometimes they do a lot of things we don't like, but ultimately they are human beings and I would love to see them all in heaven one day. So we need to be praying for that because along with that, then maybe they'll start voting and speaking out on Christian values. So be in prayer for elected officials always. Um, but now, after the good news, we have some crazy news here in California. What a shock. But prostitution is surging in California. And people are wondering, why is this happening? What's going on? Well, prostitution, or there was a bill that decriminalized loitering. Um, so thank you to Senator Scott Weiner for writing that bill and Gavin Newsom for signing that bill because now prostitution is surging. So... Greg, do you want to maybe talk a little bit? We've talked about this a ton on our social media blogs over the past year, but I want to give yeah. a little update about what we're seeing currently because of SB 357. No, SB 357 is a bill that we fought vigorously with a lot of other um, organizations that were fighting human trafficking. And we warned them this is what would happen if you... And let me just explain what the bill did. Um, SB 357... What it more or less did is it legalized loitering for prostitution, meaning a police cannot charge anybody for being out on a, a corner, uh, talking to men, uh, um, and the a, a loitering charge. This is what um, it, it's very hard to catch somebody in the act of prostitution because you have to hear that there has to be uh, someone to be a witness. Um, and you, you can't just witness two people talking to each other. You have to actually witness, hey, I will pay for this, right? Uh, you have to hear the solicitation. Uh, the guy rolling down the window, hey, I'll pay you this for you know if you do this. That's You can't really uh, hear that uh, standing across the street. But in, in these neighborhoods where human trafficking or prostitution is happening right out in the open, everybody knows it. It takes over an entire boulevard. Guys line up. Women are out in hardly dressed in anything. Uh, and, and usually these happen on particular streets and downtown areas. And everybody knows where to go to where the prostitution ring market is happening. And so police used to be able to control this 
Um, they used to be able to come up to prostitutes who were standing on the street with their pimps nearby uh, because loitering was illegal, right? It was, you know, it wasn't a, a you know, it wasn't a felony, but it, it enabled police to talk and to even uh, arrest uh, uh, women who were being trafficked on the streets, uh, separate them from their pimps, um, and try to offer them help or services. Now that is now with loitering uh, laws completely gone, there's nothing that police can do uh, to stop the loitering, uh, stop the prostitution. And I just want to read you. Uh, a quote, a couple quotes, uh, one from a mayor down in National City, which is down in San Diego area near the military bases where a lot of the prostitution is happening, <clears throat> at least in that particular. And here's what he says. Um, just recently, he says, those that are out there on the street, most of them are wearing less than what you would consider a scantly negligee. Um, it is just flaunting in everybody's face. And so a lot of people are screaming, hey, you know, can't you get, get them on indecent exposure? The problem is that the way our state laws read, the definition of indecent, indecent exposure is as long as the genitals are covered, uh, it's not indecent exposure. Anything else is fair game out in public. So you can imagine this is happening not not just at night anymore. It's happening all hours of the day. And here's what the here's what San Diego police chief said. He said, in the past, you know, when we were able to contact women or those involved in sex trafficking, we could use the loitering with intent law after we, you know, we watched them. We could tell that's what was happening. But once they decriminalize that, we don't have an entryway into making contact anymore. So what we see now is we have open sex markets, 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year. So this is what we warned would happen. And Senator Weiner and, and, and Governor Newsom, you know, refused. They said, you know, you can't discriminate against uh, people who are just out walking on the streets. Right. It's not, not, you know, you can't assume they're doing prostitution. Really? <laughs> really? I mean, you should see these pictures. And at the same time, they made a, um, oh, uh, jaywalking legal. It is now legal to jaywalk, meaning it used to be you can get a ticket for just running across the street um, if you're not in a cross crosswalk. Now that isn't a problem anymore. So now... <laughs> The, the streets are being taken over. It's, it's just a, it's a joke. Um, it's, it's absolutely horrible what's happening. If you go um, on our Instagram, we have some video clips of that where you can actually see like people on the streets and things like that. And again, like Greg mentioned earlier, it used to be, okay, well, this happens in major cities, major downtowns at three in the morning. And that's just not the case anymore. We are literally being sent and seeing photos of these women basically naked. It's 10 a.m. right outside of a school. That's what's going on now. And it's an absolute mess. And Greg, I think you touched on something important. You said people said this wasn't going to happen. The legislator said that that this wasn't going to be the result of the bill. And we're often always saying 
this is what's going to happen if this bill passes. And everyone's like, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. And so we've had multiple times now where he said, this is what's going to happen if this horrible bill passes. It passes. It happens. So maybe start kind of paying attention when people say this is what's going to happen. It happens. I mean, it, we saw it with this bill passed um, a year ago. It's been signed into law since January 1st of this year. And prostitution is already on the rise with AB 1266 from 2013, which said it would let boys and girls restrooms and locker rooms and bathrooms. Everyone said, no, that's not going to happen. Now look where we're at. So these things are happening. Start maybe not just necessarily believing what the legislator who wrote the bill is saying, because they sometimes do not want to talk about the crazy ends of it, or they try to make it seem like it's something else. Pay attention to what we're saying, what other people are and attorneys and all these people that are researching it, because what we say happens is normally what happens if the bill is signed into law, which is very unfortunate. Um, but not only is things getting crazy at schools with sometimes prostitutes being outside of them, we're seeing things going on even with charter schools currently and religious values and things like that. So Greg, I know you, charter schools and homeschooling is very important to you and your family. So maybe you can dive into this whole parents suing California over um, the policy banning or California charter schools over policy banning religious materials. That's right. I, I'm not sure if you're in the homeschooling, um, if you're doing homeschooling here in California, you probably know that they are homeschool charter schools out there that offer uh, parents uh, a lot of freedom. What they And what they do is say, hey, we'll give you up to, you know, 2000 bucks um, a year for your student. Um, uh, and you can use that money for educational purposes. Um, you'll have to meet with a teacher every 20 days, um, but you have a lot of freedom to pick your own curriculum um, and we'll help pay for all kinds of stuff, uh, music lessons and karate lessons, and we'll, and we'll pay for curriculum. At least this is what we were told when we came to California. Uh, we came back to California, you know, probably 10 years ago, uh, had three kids and we were doing homeschooling and they, uh, they told us we could use this money. We couldn't use it. Uh, for curriculum that was religious based, um, but uh, otherwise uh, we could use it for credit, uh, and we, you know, uh, that's how we had been doing it for years. Now, when we we turned in um, samples, um, they just said, "Hey, you're you're you know, uh, you don't need to mention what you don't have to mention what curriculum you're using. Just provide us a sample of the, of the work, and you know." And they said, don't, uh, the state doesn't like to see if it's coming from a religious curriculum. So you just give them a, a you know, non-religious sample. So that's what we have been doing. But the state government is clamping down on that type of freedom. And what they're now telling schools uh, to parents is, hey, you know, if, if your curriculum is religious based, right, even if it's a, a math curriculum that's religious based, um, it comes from a, a religious publisher. You can't, obviously you, you can't, uh, we're not going to pay for it, but you can't even use it for credit. You can't use it at all. Right. And, um, and that's what's happened to several parents here in California. And they filed a lawsuit recently, um, which is great. Uh, and what, what the more or less they said is, Hey, if you're giving out money to, uh, folks for curriculum of their choice, you can't 
discriminate against religious folks who buy curriculum from religious publishers, right? Oh, if, it, if it's from an atheist, it's fine. But if it's it has any religious uh, material in it, oh, that's not allowed. And that's what's called this religious discrimination. And but the state has been doing that for years. Um, yeah, uh, and I think there's even a provision uh, in the state constitution uh, talking about yeah, you know, money can never be spent on religious material, right? In any context, uh, but. Here's what happened in Maine a couple uh, years ago. Uh, the Supreme Court, they had a program in Maine where there were some remote schools out in, in the boonies where they had no public schools. And they said, okay, well, if you've got no public school to go to, we're going to give you parent some cash and you can take that to any school you want, except you can't take it to a religious-based school. But you can, if they're not religious, you can take it anywhere you want. Well, these folks sued and say, hey, you're persecuting religious people right? If I can take it anywhere but a religious school. And so the Supreme Court came back and said, you know, you're right. And here's what Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in the opinion. And the case was, it was David Carson versus uh, A. Pender Macon. That must have been like the Maine's attorney general. Um, you have to check that out. I'm not sure about that, but that's the name of the case. And here's what, uh, Chief Justice Roberts wrote in the majority opinion that struck down, decided in favor of the parents. He said, um, he says, the court has repeatedly held that a state violates the free exercise clause of the First Amendment when it excludes religious observers from otherwise available public benefits. As noted, a neutral benefit program in which public funds flow to religious organizations through an independent choices of private benefit recipients does not offend the establishment clause. So you're not, you're not establishing a religion, which the, the Constitution uh, prohibits, if you're simply offering a, uh, education money to parents and they happen to pick on their own on their own choice uh, curriculum that is religious based and so I'm very hopeful that uh, they are going to win this case just like they won the case in Maine and there are no the the state of California is no longer be able to persecute families who want to use religious based curriculum whether it's math English or history so I'm kind of excited about this yeah, no, it looks like we could potentially have a good outcome from this um, when you're based off of what happened in Maine. Um, something so. I want to add in is between Representative Mike Johnson giving his speech on Christianity with this case, all these things, different things going on, the things we post on our social media. So often I see comments and people responding and saying, well, keep your religion out of this. Keep your Christianity out of this. The separation of church and state. And I like laugh when I hear people say, oh, the separation of church and state, because they're just throwing out words they obviously don't understand. The separation of church and state was cre created to protect the church, to keep the government out of the church. And so, I mean, that's a really in-depth thing. We could probably could do an entire podcast episode, Greg, on going through what separation of church and state actually means. But right. I just, I mean, we even kind of saw that in one of our comments right now on our live. So 
about keep religion out of government. So if you're still watching, I just want you to know, maybe do some research on the separation of church and state. It's really not what you believe it to be it's to protect the church. We can do a whole podcast on that, but I just felt like that yeah, kind of I mean, tied into what we've been doing. No, absolutely. absolutely. The, the, right. The separation should be the church doesn't have any special power over the state, but it doesn't mean the church can't have an influence on the state like any other group. You can't, you can't, you can't say a churches particularly, we have to limit their speech and their influence on government. No, they're just like the atheists. They get to have as much influence as anybody else, right? And the state does not have a right to tell a church how to practice its faith, right? Exactly. Or, right, so that's what separation is supposed to mean. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, it's not church people stay out of it trying to influence government. No, I'm sorry. We're, we're Americans just like anybody else. <laughs> exactly. So another school thing, a judge has given a mixed ruling on a parent notification policy. If you've been watching any of our podcasts, sign up for our newsletter, checking out our website, on our social media, you have seen we have talked about this parent notification policy. It has been passed in multiple school districts now across the state of California. Some kind of have different variations to them. But um, this case is directly related to Chino Valley Unified School District, uh, where Sonia Shaw is the president of the school board. I'm sure you recognize the name of, of the president as well as the school district. It has been not just state news, but national news. And right. so they were sued by the attorney general, Rob Bonta, more as a way to fear other school boards from passing the parent notification policy. Um but we just had a hearing on, um, I think a court hearing last week, I believe it was, Greg, and um, on this case. And so now we have an update. So, Greg, do you want to dive into that update about the hearing? Right. So what we have is the state attorney general, uh, Rob Bonta, he sued uh, the Chino Valley School District over their policy, saying it was discriminatory. It put kids in danger from their own parents. And it he said the kids have privacy rights from their own parents. You know, five-year-olds have a right to keep their private life private, um, which is a joke. But um, so it, the, they brought, uh, had a hearing, and the state uh, attorney general wanted the law not to be enforced until they actually have a trial. So it was a preliminary injunction he was asking for. Um, they'd already halted the policy temporarily until this uh, more extended hearing. And so what the judge decided to do was to block two parts of the policy and let one part of the policy still be enacted. And so the, the, the two parts that he blocked, one, he didn't think parents should know um, if a child is, starts using a different bathroom or a different sports team from his own gender or sex. Um, and uh, he didn't think that the school should notify parents if a kid starts to ask to be identified as a different gender or a different pronoun. Um, he said that was uh, he didn't uh, he said that was violating the Fourteenth Amendment, which says that you you must um, apply laws equally to everyone, right? Which doesn't quite make sense. Um, uh, because it's simply a notification policy, you know, let, letting parents know what is happening to their own children, uh, right? And 
and changing your gender identification, it's a big deal. It's not a little deal. And parents should be involved in their kids' lives. And so, but this particular judge, he has bought into the whole transgender I I ideology. Um, he really does believe, and you can hear if you, li you listen to the case, that kids can be transgender. Like their feelings determine what gender they are. Um, and so he's bought into that. Um, and he wants to protect these kids from their parents, um, which is which is sad. But that's what we're dealing with here at the state. Um, but the interesting thing is the part of the policy he didn't say no to is the part of the policy that said um, that. And I'm looking for it here. Uh, the policy says that a. Uh, a child, uh, if a child wants to change their permanent record or their unofficial record, that parents, uh, that part, that was part of the policy. It says any kid who asks to have their permanent record changed or their unofficial record changed. What is an unofficial record? Well, we need to see the written documentation, but typically an unofficial record means, uh, hey, anything a notes a teacher writes down about the child. So if they write down notes, hey, I want to have a different name. I want to have a different pronoun. And the teacher writes that down next to the kid's name. Well, that's the unofficial record. So that part can still uh, has to be notified to the parent. So we'll see if uh, the judge says anything more in detail, because he's going to put out a, a written report or a written documentation of his decision. He hasn't done that yet. So all we know is kind of what he said and what he read during the court hearing. But uh, that's positive news. That means, you know, these secret gender transitioning plans, do you know that's going on at school? When a kid decides he wants to come out as a different gender, they put together this whole written document, you know, uh, listing what the new name is, the pronoun, who's supposed to know, who's not supposed to know. Uh, and this is all kept, this little gender transitioning plans that are used at schools are all kept secret from parents. Well, that's part of the unofficial record. Um, and that can't be secret from parents anymore. So I think that the school's going to have a hard time, uh, even with this decision, continuing to socially transition their kids at school uh, because they always have to keep some kind of record of it. So we'll see. Yeah. And something I just want to make sure everyone's aware of so many people, there's a lot of misinformation out there on this parent notification policy and on what's going on. And a lot of people, I've heard it when different people are testifying at the school board or on social media and they're saying, you're, you're outing these kids and it's saying now you're outing gay children, children that identify as gay. And there is nothing in this. If a student comes up, if a little boy or a girl or high schooler goes up to their teacher and a girl says, I like this other girl, that, that they don't have to go tell the parent that. That's not what's happening here. This is literally if a child wants to identify as a whole different gender. And at that point, it's not outing them. They've already told the teacher. They've told the school. The parents should be informed. That's right. It's not. It's it, it, it's so ridiculous. A, a child should not expect privacy once they've made the whole school aware. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's silliness. Um, but but 
it is amazing how fervent our state uh, attorney general and other state officials are, are, you know, investing in this secrecy policy. Parents, you must stand up. You must not put up with this. Any school that does this, this has got, you have to realize if they win on this, you're more or less your kids of the states, right? You're just the caretaker and the state is now uh, the parent. And uh, I don't think you're going to want to raise your kids in a state where that's, that's the law. And at this point, it's not the law. And so we've got to stand up uh, strongly and strongly protest this and let our elected officials know that we're not going to put up, we're not going to put up with this. Exactly. And a lot of people, if you're just hearing things on social media, kind of watching what's going on with the court cases and all that, you might be thinking, okay, well, they they put the notification policy on pause. And so maybe the people that are in favor of the notification policy, they're going to lose. Chino Valley is going to lose. They're putting on pause. They're stopping it. This is just how the process works. This is how court works. It's a long process. It's not all of a sudden they go on one day, the judge is like, yes or no. Like, it's a long process. These things yeah. take time. Um, I believe the next hearing isn't even until February of 2024 for this case. And so it's just a process. All these little things being said, it's now it's not, oh, the parent notification policy is bad because it's been put on hold. We, of course, we don't want it on hold, but it's just the steps of how things work legally. And so it takes time. Don't get caught up in the breaking news of, oh my goodness, now it's a bad thing. No, it's just, it's a process. We'll keep you updated as it goes. And this is just normal for how court works, especially here in California. It's very backed up and takes a lot of time. So yeah. All right. Well, that is everything we have for you all this week. Um, continue to tune in, share with people, let them know. We really just want to get you guys all the breaking news, what's going on at the California Capitol and across the state of California right here. Um, and everything we've talked about, we've also put into blogs and articles on our website. So if you visit CaliforniaFamily.org, most of those quotes that Greg read off, um, different things we've talked about, they're all written in an article. So that way you can actually look, you can, we've linked everything. You can see where it's linked from. You can see the actual different things, the bill itself, everything like that. We try to make it as easy as possible. So Again, check out our website, sign up for our newsletter, californiafamily.org. Through that, you'll be able to also find all of our social media from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And that way, you can catch up with us on the podcast once a week, but all week long, you can stay updated with everything we're posting and putting out there. So we will see you all next week. Bye.